Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. Depending on where you grew up and what you grew up in, you may have been taught how to be a failure. You might have had it demonstrated in front of you. You might have been told to expect to fail. And in that case, you need mind renewal. If you've thought a certain way, believed a certain way, talked a certain way, saw things a certain way for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, you're, it's ingrained in you. And that's why the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. And the renewal of the mind involves finding out what God's will is. How he sees things. Which is so radically different from how unsaved man sees them. That's why he said, talking to unsaved people and ungodly people, uh, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As high as the heaven is above the earth. That's how much higher God's thoughts and ways are above ungodly unbelievers. But you're, if you've received him, you're not the unbeliever. You are a believer, and the scripture says God has revealed these things to us by his spirit. So let's pray it, pray it out loud and say, Father God, I am a believer. I look to you. Enlighten me. Show me how to think. How to think like a winner. How to think godly. Like an overcomer. Like faith. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That's what's happening. Go with me, please, in the scriptures to Hebrews, the third chapter. We, we're on a series that we've been on for a bit now, called Overcoming Unbelief. Hebrews 3 and 18, it says, To whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in, talking about to the promised land, Canaan land, because of unbelief. It wasn't the giants that kept them out. It wasn't the walled cities. It wasn't their smallness, their lack of military training, uh, that they weren't enough of them. None of that. You've got to watch about excuses because the enemy will feed them to you. You know, thoughts that will come to you repeatedly. Why you can't have something or why it won't work for you, or why you can't have it now, 
are not this year, are not in this economical environment, are not with this political leadership, are not with your family situation. If you listen, the enemy will give you a multitude of reasons why you can't, why you won't, not for you, not now, a lot of cases, not ever. But that's measuring everything by yourself. With God, things can happen that you could never have made happen. He knows ways of doing things that have never crossed your mind. Do you believe it? And if you look up to Him and reach out to Him, He'll show you. The Scripture says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not I can't, I can't. Get that out of your mouth and put in your mouth, I can with His help. Don't forget that part. Uh, chapter 4 and verse 1, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as to them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. You've got to believe what God tells you. That's what it means when mixing faith with the message, what does that mean? It means believing it. It means accepting it. It means doing it and expecting the results God said. The opposite of that is doubting it, questioning it, refusing it, not listening, not obeying. And that's the unbelief he's talking about in 319 that kept him out. Look in 1 Corinthians the 10th chapter, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 Corinthians 10, and I'm going to read this from uh, some different, some of the other translations here. Verse 1, actually I'll start in the King James and go to the other. He said, Brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all baptized to Moses, all ate the same spiritual food, drank the same spiritual drink. Verse 5, but with many of them, God was not well pleased. What does it take to please God? Faith. So they were obviously missing this component. He wasn't well pleased with them, and they were overthrown in the wilderness. Verse 6, now these things were our examples to the intent, and he goes on to list a number of things, don't do what they did. That's what this whole passage keeps saying. Don't do what they did. Say it out loud. Don't do what they did. Now, many have thought, well, okay, I don't need to talk about that. That's Old Testament. No, the New Testament is telling you, be aware, don't do what they did. When the scripture says, take heed, beware, does that mean ignore? No. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Why, why do I say that? Because that's what so many people have done with this. They're like, oh, you know, that's Old Testament. That's, that's Old Testament. That don't apply to us. Our covenant has changed. Not God. God hasn't changed. The devil hasn't changed. Faith hasn't changed. Unbelief hasn't changed. All these eternal spiritual things 
They don't change like that. Just our covenant has. The way we're saved and made righteous. But how do the just live? How do the just walk? How do the just receive? How do they overcome? By faith. And faith works exactly now like it did then. Or if you choose not to believe and yield to unbelief, it works exactly the same now as it did then. That's what he's saying. In verse 11, he says, Now all these things happened unto them as in samples. They're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Let me read that to you from the, uh, uh, the Living Bible. It said, All these things happened to them as examples as object lessons to us to warn against doing the same things. Come on, say it again. I'm, I know I'm drilling you a little bit, but there's a reason why. Say it out loud. Don't do, Don't do what, they did. what they did. They're written down so we could read about them and learn from them in these last days as the world nears its end. So be careful if you're thinking, oh, I would never behave like that. Let this be a warning to you, for you too could fall into sin. The message uh, translation says it like this. These are all warning markers, danger in our history books, written down so that we don't repeat their mistakes. Our positions in this story are parallel. They're at the beginning, we're at the end. And we're just as capable of messing it up as they were. So don't be naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as, as anyone. Forget about self-confidence. Cultivate God-confidence. So you're not going to overcome and be safe by ignoring this. You will be kept safe by studying this. Like he said, reminding ourselves of where they went wrong and how they messed up. And at every time we see part of it saying, by the grace of God, I'm not going to do that. By the grace of God, I'm not going to do that. And by learning what unbelief is, you're also learning what faith is. Right? Because it's not that. <laughs> right? It's not that. Now go with me, if you would, back to the first instance. We're going to start looking at them one by one as the Lord helps us. Exodus, the uh, 13th chapter. When we got to Numbers 14 in our previous study weeks ago, the Lord had said they had refused to listen to him in this unbelief ten times. And so they're all recorded for us. And we're going to look at them, you know, one, two, three is in sequence. And the first one is here in, in Numbers 14, actually, excuse me, Exodus, Exodus, 14, but, but it begins in 13. So, Exodus 13, are you there? Now, if you don't have a Bible, uh, use your faith and get one. <laughs> That's one of, the, one of the first things that you could use your faith for. <laughs> don't beg for one. Use your faith. Uh, ask the Lord. We'll, we'll join with them right now, won't we? Is that right? Let's do it. I'll show you how to do it. Everybody say, Lord, Lord I, ask you I ask you for a good Bible, for a good, Bible good Bibles, good, Bibles, good, things, good things for me to feed on your word, on your word 
Cause it to come into me. I ask it in Jesus' name. All right. Now all you got to do now is expect it to come. Expect it to come. If the Lord deals with you to sow a seed somewhere, sow it. Even if it's small. If it's a nickel. If it's a dollar. Whatever. Do what he prompts you to do. Sow your seed. And every time you think about it, say, thank you, Lord, for my new Bible. <laughs> thank you, Lord, for my Bibles. Or, or, you know, today, I guess you got it electronically. And if that's the way you want it or on your iPad or your phone or ever how. Um, Exodus 13. Exodus 13. And verse 17. It came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go. That, and this was, we described, you know, the Passover meal and what happened. And, and this, this is where this narrative begins. They, they have finally been released by Pharaoh and that army and that government and that land, that nation. Uh, instead of trying to stop them from leaving, they said, yeah, get out of here. And God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. The Lord specifically led them away from heavy conflict in these first beginning days. Because he's saying they're not ready. And what, what's he saying they, they, they would do? They'll want to go back to Egypt. Because that's, that's what they've known. Want to go back to bondage? Want to go back to slavery? Want to go back to being treated like livestock, like somebody's property? Overworked? Abused? You want to go back to that? Yeah. That was the temptation. And that's, that is a characteristic of unbelief. If you're making notes, here's one to make. <laughs> unbelief looks back. Faith, what do you think? <laughs> looks forward. <laughs> Why are we talking about these things? Because the New Testament cautions us, don't do what they did. Well, what did they do? They looked back, not forward. And uh, the Lord said, you know, they don't need to go, which would have been the shortest way, the quickest way, the best way, but the Lord knows they're not ready for any kind of a... And we see they're not by what happens next. <laughs> and he knew it. And he said, lest they just throw up their hands and say, oh, well, let's go back to Egypt. We, we, we can't do this. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. That is, they went in an organized way by groups in companies. And uh, you got to remember, a lot of people, two million people, plus all their livestock. This is a big, if you saw these folks coming, 
across, you, you would go, wow, look at that. I mean, it, it was a sight to behold. And uh, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For he had, Joseph, had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you will carry up my bones away hence with you. That's faith. I said, that's faith. Remember, God used Joseph during the, the great drought and all that to cause his whole family to survive. And um, when he died, and I think he was 110 or so when he died, he told them, he said, uh, God's going to get you out of here. Now, this was hundreds of years before it happened. And he said, and when you go, take my bones with you. <laughs> Don't leave my bones over here in Egypt. <laughs> take me with you. Where, where are they going? Come on, help me out. Where are they going? Promised land. Canaan's land. Beautiful place. Rich place. Place of abundance. Place of goodness. And so they did. And they took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud and led them by the way. And by night uh, in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. The Lord actually lit up their path if they were traveling at night. The pillar of fire. And this would have been something big because, you know, the people, two million people, the people in the back would have to be able to see it too. And so this, this, is, this is a phenomenon. This is this giant pillar, we'd say column, that went up into the sky, I don't know how far. And you'd see it in the daytime as cloud. But at nighttime, it was luminous, and you could see fire in it. And this is what led the people. Now, one reason I'm talking about it, that's a reason to believe. Yes. Is that right? I mean, you actually see the manifestation of the power of God every day when you get up, when you travel. If God can do this, why couldn't he get you into the promised land? If he can do this, it's in front of them all the time. You know, God is, is giving us, all of us, reasons to believe all the time. Evidences of his reality, of his goodness, of his life, of his light, his love, his power. There are Many, 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 many reasons to believe. And no good ones to doubt. Because <laughs> God's never lied to you. Never, not once. Never failed you. Never forsaken you. Never let you down. Never. We have a multitude of reasons to trust Him. we got no reasons to doubt Him. But it's still our choice. You can still choose to doubt. Even though you don't have real reasons to do so. It said, he took not the pillar of cloud away, the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Awesome. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, 
Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and encamp before Pi-Hahirath between Migdal and the sea over against Baal-Zephon. Before it shall you encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they're entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I'll harden Pharaoh's heart and he'll follow after them. And I'll be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Now this is before any of this happens. The Lord tells them it's going to happen. And that he has a plan and he's going to take care of them. Do you see why I'm saying, why I'm saying this? They have every reason to believe. Everything, that those ten miracles that got them out of Egypt, the frogs that came on the Egyptians but not on God's people, the lice, the flies, the thing after thing, the blood but not on God's people, the diseases, the death of the firstborn but not on God's people, Should they be getting a clue? You can count on God. Huh? You can trust Him. And now we got the glory manifesting out in front of us. And what He told them He would do, He has done. They are out of Egypt. They're out. And they're healed. And got money in their pockets. Why doubt the rest of it? Why doubt the rest of the story that He's taking us to Canaan's land, and he can get us in. Why doubt that? Do you have to doubt that? No. You never have to doubt. Say it out loud. You never never have to to doubt. You never have to. That's why it's always something that you need to repent over. Because if you had chosen to, you could have believed. We could have believed every time if we had simply chosen to. So uh, the Lord has told Moses and he expressed to them, I don't know how much of it, but I'm, I'm expecting most of this. He communicated to the people. So none of this is going to be a surprise. Verse 5, it was told the king of Egypt, the people had fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants were turned against the people and said, Why have we done this, that we have have let Israel go from serving us? Why? You really need a reminder of why? You did it because the country was brought to its knees because of your arrogance and ignorance and blasphemy against God. It's amazing how dumb unbelief can be. He made ready his chariot. He took his people with him. He took 600 chosen chariots, all the chariots of Egypt, and captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand. (laughs) They didn't go out quiet. They didn't go out with their head down. (laughs) They were born into slavery as was their father, and their father before them, and their father before them. They got something to shout about. They're free. And the Egyptians pursued after them, 
all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them, encamping by the sea beside Pi-Hahirath before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. Now let's just stop right here. What, what would you have seen? There were 600 premium like special force uh, chariots and warriors, and that's just, just those guys. And then there's all the rest of the chariots of Egypt, and there are all the rest of the horsemen and all the rest of the foot soldiers. You, you could have seen the cloud in the distance of dust miles and miles away. And this is not just somebody coming. The, they are armed to the teeth. They are mad. They are grieving over the death of their firstborn. They've been, their pride is shattered. Uh, they mean to kill some people and make an example out of these Israelites. But is any of this a surprise to God? He told them before anybody ever thought about that happening. God said, this is going to happen. Told it, just Laid it out for him. He said, they're going to get to talking and they're going to say, look, the Israelites are out there trapped in the desert and why did we let them go? Let's go, go, let's go get them and uh, they're going to come, but I'm going to make a show of it. I'm, I'm going to demonstrate. But what was their response? When Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord, not to him for help in desperation and panic. And they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. How are they doing? Mm. <laughs> this is time number one. Serious failure to trust God. And it had to do when they saw the armies, fear came on them. It said they feared sorely, exceedingly. And that is one of the big evidences of unbelief. The presence of fear and the yielding to fear. And the very next thing that Moses said, verse 13, after they said that, fear ye not. What's he saying? Stop it. Stop the fear. Stand still. And he, he said, uh, uh, see the salvation of the Lord that he will show you. The Lord's going to fight for you. Somebody, everybody say fear. fear. Not here. Not here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean by that? If we're not going to have happen to us what happened to them, we will have to, instead of yielding to fear and talking like this, we must resist fear and say, no, I refuse to fear. I know that's a big host out there, but God is bigger than Pharaoh's chariots. Can you say amen? amen. 
our time's up again. As you can see, there's so much more to see. Come back next time. We'll see more in Facebook. I've got the victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.